2: Welcome to the Psycho Vertical podcast. This is me, Andy Patrick. It's it's Sunday morning, and uh, that baby baby's still asleep. So I've uh, I've sneaked upstairs to try and try and do a podcast. So I hope you hope you appreciate it. Um, anything been going on? Nothing. Nothing's been going on. Actually, I. Uh, I've got. I've got. I've got a few questions here. I need to. Uh, and you few like i have been sitting on my, sitting on my computer for a while. So, so I'm going to answer those. But actually, it's funny. I I got I got back in touch with. Um, uh, I did Johnny Johnny Dawes, Some of some of you know Johnny Dores is when Johnny Dawes wrote his book. Is it called Touching Myself or something? <laughs> it's it's something with myself um uh i did i end up doing like the kindle the kindle version (laughs) version of the book for him um which is like it's not that difficult but it's a it's a it's a bit of a pain it's like it's a bit like doing uh trying to do a website like in 19 like in you know in 2000 like it was like doing like html and in, the, back in, the, back in back in the back it back in day was like really, it, was, it was very difficult like the first website I ever did uh, i was going to Greenland and we needed a website so i i just i had this this guy ben saunders who maybe I've mentioned him before like ben saunders is he probably he's probably still is the person I'd always look to of like like if you, you can look at people you can look at people and really envy them, and you can either hate them. And you know, it's like what's that thing about? Is it what's it? Um, what's the thing? It's like it's like it's, it's like um, swallowing poison, poison, and wanting the other person to die. Like when you kind of hate people, <laughs> you are really envy. You know, like a lot. of... <laughs> we live in the world of envy these days. But anyway, so but I I just looked at Ben, and you know, like my instinct was just to hate him because he was all suave and sophisticated. He lived in London. He could wear. Um, he was one of those people where he can just, he would just like the wear the, you know, it's like someone out of the, the, um, what's that film? The thing you the not the League of Gentlemen, the, uh, you know, but he just wore like, he always wore like brogues and, um, you know, chinos and the shirt and, you know, like, he was, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was like a, he was like a, was he was a man's man? I don't know. But he was like, so he looked like he'd been to, you know, being in the army or something and you'd be like hanging out at the Royal Geographical Society and popping into Google and uh, you know, drinking, you know, gin and tonics on some roof terrace somewhere in London and, and I was, you know, I was like stuck in Sheffield. I was like, ah you know, it was one of those was, anyway, but it it's skied to the it's skied to the North Pole. That's what that was his kind of claim to fame. Anyway, but I remembered I remember it probably was probably like a good a good Moment for me, where because I, I, it's a I'm not supposed to talk about class on this podcast anymore. <laughs> being being working class, but um, you play. You, by the way, the class you're always the same class. You never you never get out of it. So you know you could be if you're born whatever class you are. You know you could be you could be born to the aristocracy, and you could end up being a crack addict living on the streets of. Of manchester but you're still an aristocrat and it's the same with if you're a working class or middle class or whatever anyway so anyway but 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 one of the worst things that trap people in their in the, the the limiting factors of their class is um is envy and uh wanting everyone to to you know not you know wanting to be like everybody else, but at the same time not wanting to be a traitor to who you are and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, but I decided instead of um, instead of just hating this person from a distance, uh, I would just try and work out what he was doing that that was effective. And um, so yeah, so I started. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a website, so I didn't have a website. I didn't even really you know I didn't really think people had websites, but he had his own website. He was on Twitter. Uh, I didn't know what Twitter was uh I don't think it was on Facebook, which was a good sign, and you know he just did everything he just did everything really well he was he was just good he just obviously knew a lot of people or he just he was probably observing other people like I was he was probably looking at Steve Jobs or someone you know I thought Steve Jobs was some you know like uh yellow pages of people who <laughs> wanted plumbers or something so yes, yeah, so I remember i I probably, I must have been in contact with him. Maybe I don't know if I if I was, but I I basically found out how if on what would it be? Um, what would I've been using? Maybe it was Firefox or something. It was some. It wasn't just like in your normal browser. But I found out through on your browser, you could actually look at the HTML code on the website i think i bought like html for dummies but i never I never read it so um so i just i just i could see the code for for his website that i thought looked really amazing and I, I just looked at it and i was like i'll just copy all this code and i'll stick it i worked out i worked out what a server was you know you, you could pay some money and you had this this folder on some some server somewhere whatever server was and you could upload stuff like an image or whatever, and your HTML files and uh, the index.html, or HTML was going to be the your homepage and blah 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 blah. So I kind of I just worked it out back. I kind of worked out backwards, like going backwards, working on how he did it. And so I so I I created. I basically took his website and I just changed all the images. I just changed the image, you know, a file image uh, destination. And then I changed all the text and I changed like the, you know, bensonders.com, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just changed it all to, you know, going to Greenland.com or something. And then I up I just uploaded it all. And there at Hey Presto, I had like a fully functioning website that looked it didn't look as good as Ben's. It looked shit basically. But it kinda it kinda worked and it did the job. But then um, so this is another this is another uh This is another good, good thing, good, good, good thing to learn. Is that this not long afterwards, Ben, Ben, (laughs) Ben emailed me and he said, "Hi, yeah, I, you know, in in a nice, in a nice way, he said, you've basically stolen my website, but no worries. Um, But you've also stolen the tracking code at the bottom, which every time someone goes to your website, it's coming, it's appearing." on on my tracking data you know like people are going to this website so uh, so i was like oh, i do apologize not and laughed <laughs> anyway so i laughed it all off it's a bit like the story about meeting bear grills you know like and how bear grills was was really was really nice and charming and nice to my wife and stuff and it was like that's the that's the that's something you need to learn you know like like ben could have just been Really angry and pissed off at me, but what what good would it do, really? You know, so it's much better to kind of be nice to people who are basically ripping you off and shaming you and stuff. So what's that got to do with this? Oh yeah, so I was doing. Uh, I don't know why I did. I don't know why I offered to do uh, Johnny Dawes's Kindle book, but because um, as I say, like Kindle, Kindle now I think you're on e Kindle three or ePub three or whatever it. Whatever it is, but it's uh, it was it's just a bit of a nightmare, really. It just everything just looks crap. It looks it looks okay if it's just just text, but it's uh, if you're going to put any images in, it's always kind of it's just a pain to do anyway. But I decided I'd help Johnny Dawes out because I like I like Johnny Dawes, and anyway, so I did the I did his book, and in those days, if you were selling something on on Amazon, they would send you a check, so. The checks, I think the checks that had come into my house for his book, so I think I, I think I just ripped them up, and then I was like, Johnny, you need to give me your bank details. So so he gave me his bank details, and then after a month, uh, I said, Have you've been? Have you been getting any any money? And he was like, No. Anyway, so I, ch- I checked, and he'd given me the wrong bank details, so somebody was getting paid for it, and then I think I tried to, I then. Uh, like Johnny's one of these people where you end up kind of yeah, <laughs> you end up just kind of despairing of him. It's probably I'm probably exactly the same. You end up kind of despairing of him and just like leaving to his own devices. So uh anybody I'll go back to him this week after literally it was ten years ago, I think, when I did his Kindle book. So it's like, Oh hi, I just I know it's taken me a while to get back to you, like ten years, but did you ever sort this out? And he was like, uh, no. <laughs> So, so anyway, I managed to I've managed to like sign in, sign back into his Kindle Kindle account, and he'd sold, you know, he would sold like six hundred books or something. He never got paid for them. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to sort that at the moment. Why, why am, I, why am I telling you this story, um, Johnny Dawes? Is that probably the most exciting thing that's happened this week? Is like contacting Johnny Dawes. Yeah. Um. um yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> There was a reason for telling you about Johnny Does. I actually, I was actually trying. Speaking of getting, getting in touch with people, this is that's that was just stuff off of my head that wasn't meant to be a kind of segue to something else. But I, I actually went back on, um, I went on old-fashioned technology. I went back on to, uh what's it called, LinkedIn. Because link, like I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a Facebook account, but I do have a. But anyway, I didn't have a LinkedIn account. But as someone I know who who I used to work for with uh, Montaigne, went off to work for Hagloffs in Sweden. And I saw he'd, he'd, he'd got a good job as a design manager type person at Mammoth. So, so I went on to I went on to LinkedIn to try and get in touch with him because all, all his email addresses were for old, old email addresses. So I managed to get in touch with him. But anyway, so I stayed on LinkedIn. I was like... I uh, started looking up all the people, just, just looking up loads of lots of people who are dead to me, and uh, like seeing what people are up to, like in you know people I've known in like businessy people and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like a few a few interesting things. Uh, <laughs> one person. one person uh, I was looking at someone who I used to work work with I was looking at his like what he was what was going on on his LinkedIn page and he was looking he was talking about somebody I was like oh my god that's the most ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life oh my god that's like that's horrendous you know and then I started looking at their name and I said like that actually looks familiar and then I was like looking closer and I realized it was actually a bloke I used to know who is now now a, a he he she hair or it is and i was like oh my god anyway so i i, I was like i just did not see that happening anyway so i, email, I emailed someone i was like oh my god like, i can't believe that x person is now a, a she hair and then you're like, and you're like oh if you think that's weird so-and-so is now <laughs> a she hair as well i was like what the fuck anyway so i was like i was looking at the so that was kind of i uh, kind of kind of knocked me knocked me for six like one 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 of the people, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of surprise me. Um, like I don't really, I don't, I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to get like cancelled, like J.K. Rowling. But um, <laughs> I don't, I do, I do completely think all this stuff is this sort of body body dysmorphia kind of stuff. I don't I don't believe in the old the old trans trans stuff. Um, you know, I th- definitely some people are born it's not you're born in the body you're given basically that's a problem and some people just don't like i think some people just um i think some people are just uh on the inside they're really they're not how they look on the outside um you know like they're you know like someone's got like a big nose or whatever or they' they've got funny shit their head's too small for their head or something, and the but you in, know inside the don't, they don't see themselves like that they see themselves as somebody completely different so um so yes yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's like and anyway, so, it's, so it's taken me a few you know, it's, it's, I'm still trying to get over it it's kind of so I say what one person you know i'm i'm i am i do not really she 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 her, it whatever is um definitely in my mind they're definitely not a woman, but they're also definitely not a man they're just like who they are like they were never really oh, I won't mention any names, but they were always like uniquely themselves, if you know what I mean, you know they were just they were like amazing talented, interesting people but but they were just who they they were just who they were, you know they were they were. You could say they were genderless or, or whatever it was uh so it's kind of it's i don't know i think i think a lot of uh, reading into it i think a lot of people go down that route they don't feel very ha- happy with who they are so then they try to be somebody else but they're equally as unhappy as being you know Dalvinda <laughs> dalvinder or something and then they they probably migrate back to being you know just trying to come to terms with who they are so it's Yeah, luckily you die, don't you? Like you know, if you get a shit, if you get a shit hand, you die soon enough. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Eventually, Um, yeah. So Eddie, but one, one thing that was kind of weird was going through the being on the in being all the old LinkedIn stuff was, I don't know. It's kind of a little bit, it's kind of a little bit mad. Like a, a lot of these people are in the UK, and they're all they're all it's like they're all being taken over by they're all they're all kind of like ai people like they're all saying exactly the same thing they're all just on some weird you know uh <laughs> you know like there was somebody who was going on about what's it called um circular uh is it circular economy or what's, it, what's the thing economy where it's like you know um is it circular economy Anyway, it's the economy where it's like, you know, buy, mend, give to somebody, find in a bin, blah, 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 kind of stuff. And it's like the you know, people are obviously on some funding stream, that they're getting money from someone to p- promote this kind of circular economy and there's people saying, you know like two thumbs up, love heart, high heel shoe, blah 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 and um and everyone's like banging on banging on it and I'm just one of those people where I'm like, um everyone, you know you've got like a thousand comments saying, go for it, this is the future circular economy and I'm just I'm the idiot who comes up and says like, uh like is this not just like what people do like is this not preparing yourselves for like um you know like the collapse of the economy and if you know if you can't buy anything if you haven't got any money then it is a circular economy like whatever you get you're gonna have to keep it for a long time you have to mend it and you know like it's uh you know it's like you're basically taking a concept that most people in the world who who are living on like a dollar a day we completely recognize it's like that's what you that's what you do you know it's like it's like um, oh this new idea it's called the circular you know it's like a color, you call it in the inclusive circular anti-racist christmas uh, for the you know, chicken dinner you know you get the chicken and then you cook it and then you like you take the you take the bones and uh, and you put it in a pot and you uh, you make some soup out of that, and then you take what's left, and you make some more, and you make a stock out of that, and then you get the bones, and then you you make them into like a child's toy or something, and uh, and it's, it's just kind of like oh, that sounds that sounds like an interesting you know concept, but so is that not just what most, most people what our grandparents did? So yeah, I think I was I think I was saying on the other po- previously my kind of neighbors like he was like one of 16 children and the they were so poor that the boys wore like the cast the 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 me downs from the girls so the boy is wearing a dress because he had no money to buy him any clothes and he's out in the wild irish weather in a dress you know like a four-year-old child you know, like that's a circular economy, basically. You know, and that dress would probably get made into something else eventually. Like when there was no more girls, you probably, you know, you'd, you'd God knows. I remember what I, I remember once when when my wife had a baby. There was a woman, <laughs> there was a woman in the in the hospital in the same bit where all the women are have had a baby, and she was saying like. She was saying, she's that woman over there. That woman's had like 14 bit 14 children. And I was like, 14 children? 14 children. Like, how what kind of car would you have for 14 children? And my wife was like, I don't know, but you could park it in your vagina. <laughs> anyway. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, so it was, it was kind of weird. But it made it it made me it made me think how. All these people are basically gonna get wiped out like in the coming you know we've got like a recession coming that's probably worse than any of us have ever experienced before in lots of aspects. We got to laugh, haven't you and uh, but all these all these people who are living in this kind of fantasy world they're really they're all they're basically um like good thing about a good thing about a communist, you know or a, or a proper socialist. Is they actually they did actually want to make stuff? They wanted to have factories and women hammering bits of coal and all that kind of stuff. They were actually for about production and making more tractors and uh, you know they actually you know, so these people aren't like communists. They basically just want to destroy them, destroy themselves, and destroy everything else. Like they want to like I I lived through the industrial the de- industrialization when I was a kid, like in uh, in the UK, in the 70s and 80s. Like, I remember what it was like. But these people are basically cheering it on. And it's, it's, it's really mad. I don't know if they think they'll be the last people to lose their jobs, but I expect they'll probably be the first people because they're actually – most of them have just got bullshit jobs, basically. You know, that's the problem – you know with a lot in a lot of the tech industry like all those people losing their jobs like thousands of thousands of thousands of people losing their jobs and not the useful people you know they're all the people with this with the bullshit jobs who are all just going you know like so so yeah it's kind of uh it's kind of it's kind of weird i kind of like put, put it into a few little you know like happy slappy happy clappy conversations people were having and people were like really really offended you know so it's it's just pointless getting involved with those kind of people. So, I think I guess it maybe it's, maybe it's maybe it's like trying to do you know like when you you know like when you're really afraid of something like a ghost or something when you're a kid you want to like hide under the hide under the cushions. Uh, maybe it's a little bit like that. Maybe the reality is you know it's you know it's kind of a it's it's kind of it's a tough thing to to deal with. And I guess if you just like a lot of people I know have given up like quite good careers or even their own businesses, and they've gone into working for the universities, like in Sheffield, nearly everybody I know uh works for the university, and it's a bit like a it's a bit like a ponzi scheme is that the university is getting like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're taking in more and more exploiting these poor young people um you know getting all the money off them. For bullshit degrees aren't really worth anything, and suddenly the whole thing is going to burst, and all these people are going to lose their jobs. There isn't, there isn't going to. It's going to be, I guess it'll go back to how it was, where only like twenty-five percent of people go to university. So it's yeah, it's a. It's just, I don't know. So if you work in the university, I do. I do. I'm sure you. I'm sure. Like I don't know what I'm talking about, but it is. Um, you know, you want to get definitely want to get a job. You know, you want to get a job where you know, even that it's kind of bullshit proof, you know, like uh but like a bin bin man or something, you know, something like that. So <laughs> anyway, so I should get on to my I should get on to some of these questions. 'Cause the because baby baby's gonna probably wake up soon. So well the first one I won't I probably won't read it out, but it's uh it was. Uh, I have quite a lot of questions about drawing, drawing, uh, drawing pictures. Like I draw quite a lot of uh, um, diagrams for my books and stuff. And like when I was a kid, I was really into drawing. And then I think what I really wanted to do, I really wanted to go in the army. But my mum wanted to go into to go to art college, but she never she didn't. She had to go and get a job in a bakery instead. So I think she kind of imprinted on to me that I should go to art college. I really just wanted to like kill people and stuff, shoot guns and stuff. And so anyway, so I I drew all my life until I went to art college and then I failed to get onto a a degree. I did like a foundation course and I, I really enjoyed that, but then I didn't get onto a degree and then I just stopped drawing altogether for, for, for years and years and years until I started, until I drew, until I, um, I started what being like a writing gear articles And some technique articles for climb magazines, and so then I started doing some sort of hand drawing, you know, rough drawings that would end up in the magazine. And then I, um, and then I think when I did when I wrote a cycle vertical, they said, "Oh, we, do you have like an illustrator? You know, we'll have to illustrate some of these mountains and stuff. Do you have an illustrator? Who you who who would like to do this?" And I was kind of like. Oh bollocks, that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get somebody else to do it. I'll just do it. But I hadn't really done any real drawings for for a long, long time. So I just um I think I downloaded Painter, uh, who makes it Corral Painter on my computer and I literally banged out all these pictures from a book in in like one day and sent them all off and uh, and it ended up in the book. And that was probably the beginning of of illustrating Doing illustrations for the books, for all, for all my books, but they're more like, um, you know, they're more like pictures of mountains and things. So, but I also needed to be able to do technical drawings of like carabiners and, and all that kind of stuff. So I end up I end up learning Adobe Illustrator. So Illustrator, so like um, so Photoshop and a lot of those things, you're just moving like a uh, pixels around. So if you if you drew a, a line. It's just a load of pixels of a certain color. You can mix them together or whatever, but it's like a, it's just like a line of pixels of different diameter. But uh, Adobe Illustrator is a vector as a vector drawing thing where it's more kind of would it be say it was more mathematical. There's still like pixels there on the screen, but it's more you know like this line goes from X three hundred to X one hundred and sixty or something. Blah blah blah. So, uh, but you just you just you just creating points and the lines are going between them and sometimes they're curved sometimes they're straight and that's how you build up like a drawing so it means with a vector drawing is it could be the size of your computer screen or it could be the size of the house and it would look it would look the same it wouldn't look pixelated where if you drew a picture which on photoshop the size of your computer screen and then you do it do it to the size of a billboard uh, it would look terrible that's why you often in the past used to get people where they'd that have an image in a newspaper or in a magazine that was too small and it would all be pixelated and look terrible. So that's, that's why that used to happen. So anyway, so I, but it it probably took me a good 10 years to learn how to, cause again, I didn't, I didn't go any courses and no one taught me how to do it. I just, I think I just got like a, a free stroke, you know, like dodgy copy of Adobe Illustrator and kind of learn by like copying other people. Like how do they do that? And I would like, you know, I just try and copy it and, and slowly learn learn that way. Um, I was always I used to always used to tell my son that he should learn Adobe Illustrator because it's a very good it's a good skill to have. Like a lot of people can use Photoshop, but but Adobe Illustrator is like a little bit harder to use. And uh, and he always just ignored me, probably because he was, he was only five. <coughs> but eventually, but eventually, he ended up going to college for like. Two years in doing um, Illustrator um, design, graphic design, so you learn how to use Illustrator. Anyway, so it's a really good skill. So, so yeah, so that's that's how I do most of my, nearly all of my drawings. I still use Painter for some things, if it's more like art, arty, arty, farty So, so yeah, use Adobe Illustrator. And the good thing about it is, say you draw like a really good, say you draw like a figure of eight knot, or you draw like a, a screwgate carabiner, you can just take that that drawing and you can put it into other, you know, integrate into complex, you know, other drawings. So you only have to draw one figure of eight and one carabiner, or one person abseiling, and you can just more easily just paste it into other 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 drawings if you ever look at any of my books you'll see often it'll be the same dmm carabiner will be on every single thing so it saves it saves a lot of time it is still it is still very it's still quite a long process so and you're always you're always kind of improving you're always like looking at, at stuff you've already done and it just looks crap and you and you're trying to you know you're, you're trying to improve improve next time so it's uh yeah, it's quite a long, it's quite a long drawn out process. <laughs> I get it, long drawn out process. So yeah, but it's uh, again, it's a like good, it's a good skill. It's like one of those skills, like in terms of, in terms of my climbing life, you learn all your climbing skills. But it's a bit like you get these people who are they're in like Delta Force or they do it, they're in you know they're in some kind of army, army thing where they're really good at killing people. But when they leave. There is there a kind of limited skill set in the real world. Is like yeah, you know what can you do? Oh, I can kill people. There's that really good bit. There's that good bit. Is it in the end of that TV series, The Pacific? Very highly recommended TV series. Where he says he comes out of the army and he's in somewhere and they say what can you do? And he's like, oh, I can fire a, yeah, I can fire a sixty millimeter mortar or something. And you know anyway, but is that is that kind of thing? It's it's uh, it's so. So a lot of your climbing skills aren't really that transferable into the real real world. It, maybe if you do like rope access or something like that, it could be they're they're handy. But often maybe they're a you know they're a detriment. You might be better better rope access if you're not a climber if you just get into it from being a scaffolder or somebody. But um, but other skills, you know, you'd you know by learning other things like learning how to write to some degree, learning how to stand on a stage and talk or learning how to do slideshows or you know all, all these kind of extra extra sort of bolt-on skills to climbing are really a really handy later on in life because you could you know you can just make a you can just make a living doing that thing i think someone asked me the other day then like, what would you do like you know something about being a professional climber and i was like you're you're much better having us having a having a learning a trade uh as like a trade where you can pick it up and drop it. Like you want basically you want a trade the um this is a trade rather than a degree. Like a trade is much more useful. So if you have a trade, then if you have the right kind of trade, you can first of all you can probably get a job anywhere in the world. You could go and live in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um you know some shithole country. <laughs> you know, you can you can go you can go anywhere you want with a, with a good trade and because there's always like a demand for them and also you you make a lot more money than someone who has a degree like yeah you you might if you're working you know in some you might be making a lot of you know but basically you you leave school and you're told and when you're at school basically the pinnacle of your education is to end up being a professor in a university you know and and that's what you're that's what the whole thing is focused towards you doing but a professor in a university is making a lot less money than a plumber or a carpenter or an electrician or somebody, so and they're generally kind of fixed in place and they probably hate the job and they hate the people they work for. Where people with trades, it's very rare to meet one who's who hates it. Um, like sometimes being a plumber might be a shitty job because you got shit shit to deal with, but um, a lot a lot of a lot of people have got proper trade trade jobs. They they completely they they, they enjoy it and they you know they often you're you can be your own boss so as a climber you know rather than being like a mountain guide you know where the mountains become the place where you work and you probably when you're not working you're probably not that interested in going into the mountains you probably end up going road biking or some some stupid thing like that instead you know if you've got like a trade you can you can make a lot of money quite quickly and as long as you, I think you need to live, a, I think you need to live like, like you've got no money, you know, live as cheaply, as frugally as possible to, to, to build up your, you know, your, your, savings and then you make enough money and then you can just go somewhere where you're not going to spend a lot of money. Like you go to like a Rappelies for three months, you know, and then come back and then just start working again, make more money and then go off to canada for three months whatever you can i think that's the i think that's the way to probably do it is to have a you know to build up you know and often people are always afraid to to kind of turn down work but i think often people who tend down work end up being valued more highly like if you're really good at what you do you can just give the impression that you're too busy that's why you can't do it but actually you're not busy at all you're actually off climbing for three months and then you're coming back. But but what, what people often they often often fall into this trap where they just want to, their like money becomes you know you like you have this idea of like I'm going to be do rope access I'm going to make enough money and then I'm going to go climbing for six months and blah blah blah, but you very quickly human nature you was it a luxury a luxury becomes a necessity you suddenly your lifestyle changes you know you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a it friend and you um you suddenly, you know, you don't have any money anymore. You're making all this money, but you've got your fancy car and you've got your gym membership and you're learning to skydive or whatever. You know, suddenly you don't have any time. You have all this money, but you have no time. And then you suddenly don't have any time. You don't have any money because you're just spending all your money on on stuff. And then suddenly you're in debt, so you can't stop working. And then you have no time. You have less than no money because all the money's, Anyway, so it's very easy to to get into that thing. So I hope, hopefully, like modern new generations, you know, of younger people are probably a little bit more savvy. Like, like not being in debt is probably one of the best things you can you can do in life. You know, it does make a it doesn't make a massive difference. You can maneuver a lot more. You know, like you know the idea of like fuck you money. Um, like you don't actually need any money to say fuck you. But you definitely don't. You definitely don't want any debt, because you can live with very little money, and for a while with no money. But it's you can't really live if you've got less than no money. If you have to pay someone the money back that you owe them, so it's um. So yeah, what's that to do with drawing? I have no idea. But anyway, but, goods, but yeah, develop, develop skills that are actually useful and practical in uh, in a recession or whatever you know that that's people still need their 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 pipes cleaning that's not to be about a prostitute but you know but you know even prostitution you know it's i can't it's hard, you know, it's hard to get the work it's who, it's who you know anyway so we'll go we'll go back to a proper question here so hi andy i have a question for you about the cold now this question is quite old so this person's either probably dead now of hypothermia or there it's the summertime so anyway it might be useful background i am a skier and i would like to make I, I i am a skier and would like to be making more backcountry skiing trips but this year here has been struggling i've been struggling with cold especially loss of hand function grip strength ability to move lower portion of arms functionally i am 38 physically fit uh, physically very fit five nine and uh, 70 kilos um, subsequently, I don't feel cold, but figure I must be I must be with this loss of function. It isn't very painful more I just can't make my hands and wrists move effectively. Have you had any issues with this, or maybe maybe how to overcome it? How do you do it? Maybe I just need to get fatter? My concern is that one day I'll be experiencing this critical a critical time and could lead to a bad outcome, uh one I could lead to a bad outcome for one of my skiing mates or myself. Well I'm afraid you've got cancer. <laughs> no, you haven't. Um no I think well, it's um seventy kilos, five nine. It sounds like you're a bit too skinny. Um you haven't got any belly timber. Like it there's a there's a few things it could be. Like you could have like I don't know if Reynard's disease would have would. Raynaud's Raynaud's disease basically means you've got fingers that look uh, white when you hold them up to when you hold them up to selfies. Um, people got Raynaud's disease. Just they just they just the kind of people who just whinge on about everything like oh my hands are cold and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a bit like dyslexia for your fingers, I reckon. It's like oh my fingers they got no blood circulation. It's like oh get over yourself. So. Things that could be, mm, this could be many things. Sometimes I wonder how heavy your rucksack is. Like, what you car- have? You got have you got a rucksack on? I wonder because sometimes, uh, uh, well, it definitely happens if you have got a very heavy rucksack. Is it basically, you know, stops like the circulation into your arms, um, like that. You know, if you if your rucksack straps are too narrow, if the wrong in the wrong place, uh, that that could. Be in effect, but since you're going skiing, you're not going to have a really heavy rucksack on, so that's probably not the thing. um Could be what else could it be? um Like, if it's just cold, like when you if you ever I don't know if you ever had hypothermia, but if you ever go if you ever go if you ever fall in the sea and you start swimming and it's super super cold, if it's like the temperature where you've got you've only got like you know you're going to be dead in in a short space of time. What you find it's worth try. It's worth experimenting with this. Where in a place where you're not going to drown, is what you find. What happens first of all is your finger. You lose dexterity. Your fingers don't work anymore, and then your hands don't work. So if you're trying to swim to the shore, you're you're you start losing any um, dexterity in your fingers, which which has a which has an impact. When you're swimming, because it becomes much harder to swim because your hands are not, you know, pointing into the water anymore. They're kind of going a bit weird. Um, in in mountaineering, what that means is uh, you suddenly can't untie a knot, or you can't, you know, switch on your phone to ring nine nine nine, or you can't put on like an e or whatever that whatever whatever it is. Um, so you're so so loss of dexterity in your hands does sound like it's it could be related to to cold or circulation or something so um that's why if you ever think you're going to if you're ever in a situation where you are you think you're going to you're going to get hypothermic and you're going to start losing dexterity you need to get anything that requires dexterity done very very quickly so say you you know, say you're under a waterfall, you end up, you're on a pitch and it starts pouring with water and the next minute you're under a waterfall. Like if you're, say you're tied in to the rope and the rope is going up to a carabiner, then maybe you, suddenly you you can't undo the carabiner and you, say, and you can't undo the knot. Like the carabiner might suddenly start icing over with the with the water or something, or or your fingers just can't do the carabiner. Um, so then you're like, I'm gonna have to like get my knife out. So you try to get your knife, but now your knife your knife doesn't work because you can't open the knife because your fingers aren't working. So you need a knife where you can somehow hold it in your in your hand and open it with your teeth or whatever. So so like quite a lot of quite a lot of like on El Cap, it's a classic way of the you know people have died of hypothermia on el cap or people die sometimes like sea kayaking and stuff it is because of things like that like they couldn't they couldn't physically say so they couldn't pull themselves back into a kayak because their hands couldn't hold on to the kayak because their hands were so cold so it's um so it's, it's a good thing to know that's it's, it's a good thing to be aware of that's going to happen because then you can deal with it what you know can deal with it before it starts happening you know you can get out of that try and get out of that situation before that happens or you know do something like get. don't use screw gates you know clip into the rope rather than tying into the rope and, and all the all these kind of things so maybe i wonder if it doesn't it doesn't say if he so he doesn't say he, he doesn't feel like he's cold um i maybe your hand's me like because you're quite I'd I'd say 70 kilos is is skinny um but maybe yes it's kind of skinny so I'd I'd, I would I would wonder if you need to you're not wearing enough your hands aren't warm enough to begin with and that's affecting affecting everything else so I would I would probably advise to get rid of your um get rid of any stop wearing gloves and just get some mitts mittens instead just wear your mittens directly onto your onto your skin like don't wear liner mittens or you know just get rid of all, all that kind of stuff just go for a good decent pair ideally of like synthetic mittens uh, like fiber pile might be okay but you want something where you where you you can still bend it bend them effectively Like some mittens kind, they can be quite stiff so you 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 want something where you've got um you know they're and they're not don't get a huge pair you can get quite a small pair of mittens like windproof mittens you know you don't need Himalayan down mittens or anything but just something small and you'll find that your your hands will be a lot warmer to, to begin with um like I, like if you're I don't it doesn't say it doesn't say if if you're backcountry skiing so the problem with backcountry skiing is it's very um, you get very very hot when you're skiing uphill and then you can get quite cold skiing downhill or you can be very very hot skiing up onto a ridge and you and you're stripping down into your pretty much down to your base layer and then you suddenly break onto this um, onto this ridge and then you you're battered by the wind and then you get super super cold or one half of your body gets cold and you just keep on going so I think it's having a it's having like a clothing system that you can dump a lot of heat very quickly, and then you can just sort of cinch it. You can cinch it either way. You can adjust it slowly to to correspond with the temperature and the conditions. So that's the problem with if you you know if you just, maybe you know piss people like strip down so they've just got their they'll have their base layer on, then they'll have the waterproof bottoms like their bibs or whatever and then they'll just have the base layer top on, but they won't have a jacket on, and they'll be, like, skiing up. But they're still going to be, like, generating a lot of sweat and getting basically quite sweaty. And then you get to the top and you put your probably put your jacket on, but you wouldn't put anything else on, and that's going to block the wind. But then you're still – there's a lot of sweat in there. And, you know, so it's – yeah, so it's it's having a good system that allows you to – like that's that's where like your your old school soft shell work quite well in that you could, you know, dump a lot of heat. Like mon like the, the um like Paramo have some quite good clothing still like that where you've got very good zippers on the side and you can you can vent a hell of a lot of you know, you wanna roll your sleeves up and and just basically like taper it down slowly. So you maintain your comfort, and you cut co- like comfort is not being hot. Comfort is being comfortable. So you're either hot or you're cold, and that's what you're that's what you're aiming for. But if you get really, you know, if you are really cold, you are the first thing you're going to notice is your your dexterity's going. Um, like your ski. How do you hold your ski poles? That's another thing. Like if you ski, if you're holding your ski poles too high, um you know that's that's, uh, that's another like how where's the like all these things are so basic I, I doubt it's the problem but you know if people who you know if you if you're holding your ski poles at too high a position now you really want to keep your hands um below your heart so if you're you know if you're doing a lot of very high ski poling, you know you're holding it very high that can be that could be a problem how is a wrist loop set up are you using wrist loops probably best Bit like the ice axes is, apart from probably maybe skiing down, it's probably good to get rid of your wrist loops and have poles that have like multiple positions where, you know, like the black crow kind of poles where you can hold them, you know, quite a long way down, and just keep, you know, just keep trying to move your hands up and down, shaking your hands out. Bit like again, like a bit like dry, bit like using leashless tools. you know, the more you keep your hands like gripping onto the, the pole, the more you're probably going to get, you're probably going to get cold. Um, so yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to, You maybe you've sorted this out. Um, send us an email. Uh, you'll, you know, I'm talking about, I'll, e- I'll email you this podcast, so you know, I've, I've covered it. Um, but yeah, tell us how you, tell us how you, how you got on. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so right, another another question. So this is a this is another kind of. They've had some interesting questions here. Um, uh, good morning, good afternoon. Do any of your writings get into how you learn to climb with dyslexia? Any techniques that worked for remembering procedures, knots, etc., or learning more effectively? Visual reminders, maybe. I have a daughter that is fifteen, that climbs with the mountaineers. I'm looking for practical tips for learning. on retaining climbing information and techniques things I can suggest to her and her leader that may help right now they know she's dyslexic and they give her more grace but that's about it she feels stupid when she blanks or forgets the basic stuff about focusing on more advanced techniques for, for a while and it gives them pause as well Anyway, if any of your writings address this, um, and you can point me in the right direction, it could be very appreciative. So, so I'd, I'd there's a this the guy Dick Roo, is it Dick Rutan who was the first person to to fly around the world nonstop. It took him like nine days. You know they had like they had like a super lightweight kind of carbon fiber plane and like five five tons of fuel um he he had like an amazing career in the the american air force and then ended up leaving and um yeah ended up doing this amazing flight around the world but he was really dyslexic and he didn't but he didn't realize until he was writing his book when he was you know like he was re, you know retired and like he 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 didn't. He couldn't be a pilot straight away in the air force because he didn't. He didn't have the. He just wasn't good enough, um, academic enough. But he had like amazing, amazing levels of like engineer. You know, f- sort of like three dimensional problem solving, like engineering. You know, he had. He was kind of off the scale with that. But he just wasn't very good on the the writing and the reading and everything else. And what he did when he eventually he became like a, he became a uh, a navigator, which is it is still pretty difficult i would have thought having to do all the tables and everything else so he became a navigator and this is this is in the days where you would be doing like astral is it astral projection <laughs> or is that something else but anyway you're looking at the stars how to navigate and everything else but i think what he did actually when he actually had to be a pilot he 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 came in and to the to the classes when he went through pilot school yeah he, he actually could already fly he's actually a, an expert pilot like he could fly a plane before he could drive before he had a driving license and and uh i think by the age of 17 he could he could fly with passengers so he could fly at 16 he could fly with passengers at 17 and by 18 he was a commercial pilot so he could carry stuff in his in his plane and he was also a a flying instructor you know this was all he was still a kid, basically, but the the air force were like, "You're not, you know, you're not used to us. You could never be a pilot." But yeah, he was already like an amazing pilot. But he just couldn't do the the written stuff and everything else. So eventually, he because he's got he's he's had like a long time as a navigator, they allowed him to go into pilot school. Now, this is a very interesting thing about some dyslexic people. Where he was like, although he was a he probably saw himself as a, a retard and he couldn't do all this kind of stuff. He said that you know if I was a pilot, I would I would be the I would be num- the number one pilot you know at, at the Air Force school, and I would end up flying the f100, which was like the ultimate jet at the time, which very few pilots got to fly because it was the ultimate jet. you but so so he had very sort sort of low self-esteem but very high is actuation. Like he, like it's, I, I'm, i I've, I was very similar with, I was like, I'm too stupid to get to go to university, but if I did, I'd get a first, you know, as that's, that was kind of my, my kind of thing. So, which is kind of borne out in um, the climbing I did. I often felt very unworthy to attempt something, you know, much less able than all the other people who'd ever done it. But at the same time, I obviously thought I could do it because I tried, and sometimes it got to the top as well. So, but what he did is when he when he actually went to pilots to tr- school at the air force, he always sat at the front of the class. And in his briefcase, he had a tape recorder, and he tape recorded everything that the people were saying to him. He took notes, but basically, he was doing it through like the the um, the the kind of oral audio kind of me, me, you know, sort of memorizing it that way. And what happened? He ended up being like the first he ended up being coming out number 1 in all the air force schools of that year and because he was the first, he was number 1 he could take the first choice of what billet he would take as a pilot and when they pulled back the curtain of with the chalkboard with all the things you could fly there was two posts for like F100 so he got to fly the F100 so he ended up it came true what he'd said that he would do so um, there's a I'll, I'll put a link in this podcast to An interview with Dick and Jocko Willink, which is uh, very—it's just very interesting on on that kind of thing about you know people with dyslexia and stuff. Like now, dyslexia again is a bit like the trans thing I was mentioning before. Is it's not it's not really a thing. I don't think. I don't really I don't really believe in dyslexia as a as a as a standalone. You're dyslexic or you're trans or you're dyspraxic or you're autistic or whatever. Um, it's just, uh, it's kind of just who you are, really. And it's the same way as some people find coping mechanisms, like if you're, if you're feeling in the wrong body, then you could try and, you know, have a sex change and you think that might sort things out. But the same with if you're dyslexic, like it's, you just got to, there's some real advantages like if you're trans there uh, there's a real advantage about being an outsider you know that is a that is that is a real can be a massive advantage as long as you don't want to be an insider and the same with it if you're dyslexic you are kind of a bit of an outsider because things that make sense to everybody else are often don't make sense to you but um but you will often see things that other people can't. And some things that other people find really, really difficult, you'll actually find really, 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 really simple. Now, on the, in the case of climbing, like I couldn't tie my shoelaces until I was, you know, like in my teens, basically. I just could not do it. Now, I think one of the issues is is that broadly what a dyslexic person is a bit like uh, someone with ADHD or whatever, Or I call it like attention focus syndrome. Is that you're not really interested in stuff, so you don't bother retaining it, or if you're not interested in it, you're just not interested in it. So I wasn't really interested. I could get by without. I could get shoes of Velcro or whatever. I could kind of do a higgledy piggledy knot, but it always came undone. So my my shoes are always undone all the time. Like I basically spent a lot of my childhood wearing Wellingtons, basically, but. But when it becomes important, then you, then you can. Like I'm not someone who can tie a thousand knots. I have friends who can who, who can tie every knot in the world. Like I can only tie a few knots, but I'll tie them pretty well. You know, (laughs) but like I don't. I'm not good at retaining things that are not finding and don't find useful. So I'll be. I'll get very interested in something, and I'll like at the moment (laughs) I've got like a. I've got like a, um, what do you call it, a pan, a um, cast iron frying pan. Now I've, now, I've never had a cast iron frying pan, but I'm trying to become an expert in the in cast iron frying pans. So I'm like watching lots of YouTube videos. I just like the idea of having a pan that's going to last forever rather than all these, because we have all these, I, you get like a frying pan and my wife likes to get the frying pan so it's like like roasting hot, like it's like gonna burst into flames, and then she just puts it in the sink in the cold water. So then it ends up looking like a balloon. It's like it's like you know it's like a wok all of a sudden. So any any fat you put in it just goes straight to the middle, and that's it. So anyway, so quite like the idea of having a, fr- a cast iron frying pan, like a kettlebell that you can like cook on so anyway so so that's an example of like suddenly i'm really interested in like f- different kinds of oils and fats and the, the the temperature of you know the sort of the you know just loads of loads of stuff you know like how you know when you season it like what does actually what is this seasoning a pan what does it actually mean and how do you do it and blah 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 so anyway, so um so but 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 i'm only doing that cuz i'm interested in it and a lot of the information will just get be forgotten and so with like the climbing big walls or climbing techniques you you know like a lot of it you just kind of you just like you kind of forget it like a lot of the a lot of the stuff to do with numbers and forces i just kind of i just kind of forget them really like I, if i'm writing a book i have to kind of understand them to write a book but then once the book's finished i'll probably just forget them like i can't tie like a zeppelin bend even though it's in one of my books and i could tie it when i wrote the book and i thought it was a useful knot but i can't remember how to tie it now so um you know so it's uh but something like a, a monster munter hitch I, I've, I can remember how to tie that because it's one of those knots where I've had to use it in in the real world, and it was like incredibly useful. It probably saved my life, so I retained that knot. But well, other knots, like less so. like I, I couldn't, I could, couldn't tie a bowline for years and years and years. Cause I just couldn't remember how to do it. It always used to come undone. And then for some reason, I started, let, like, I, I started knowing how to do it, and I, and I just re- retained it. And even now, I might get it wrong a few times. So, so so I think um like it's it's kind of it's kind of rare that someone with dyslexia like again it's like a very broad term dyslexia it could be it could be just you're not very good at remembering anything if you're not i mean you know maybe you're maybe you're not out to be a climber maybe you're good at playing the violin or something you know like often when you when you're teaching people to climb so you're doing like a big wall course how to climb a big wall and the person will turn up and you're like, okay, put your harness on and they can't put their harness on. Like they can't, they can't coordinate putting the feet in the right loop and the belay loops up, you know, the wrong way around and the the B-layer loops on the back of their harness or something. And I'm like, mm, I don't think this is probably what you should be doing, you know? So it's like someone, it's like taking someone for a driving test and they get in the back of the car, you know, it's like, mm, I've actually ever been in a car before. So it's, uh, so it's a, uh, yeah to, like i guess repet repetition but even repetition you know get a book of tying knots and just focus on the most important ones and get a piece of rope and just keep tying them tying them tying them like and often people will say things like um you know what's the like i could i could never remember the alphabet Or, you know, like things like nouns and all that kind of stuff. And I can never, I never remember any of that kind of stuff. But people would always say, you know, uh, (laughs) I can't remember any of them already to give you the example, but it's like E after D except after B or something. It's like, what the the hell? Like, you can't give me a stupid thing like that. Like, you know, never put a C in front of a D unless there's a B. And it's like, what are you talking about? It has to just, you know, just, Anyway, so I, I <laughs> so like the. If you think about the, you know, like a bowline, like the rabbit comes out of the hole, around the tree, and back in the hole. Like, it's like for me, it's like <laughs> there's like a lake, and the snake comes out, and it goes down the tree and back in the lake. Like, for some reason, I find it easier to remember than the one about the rabbit. Because, like, the, the thing about the hole is the tree has to be behind behind the hole you know, like the tree could be in front of the hole but really it's behind the hole but if it's actually a lake you know the tree is behind the lake i can visualize a lake with a tree behind it you know and the rabbit the snake is coming out of the lake and around the tree and then slithering back into the lake That, that might not work but anyway but it's it's finding ways like i could never remember the word hypocrite so i always but i can i can visualize a hip so, whenever I have to think of the word hypocrite, I would think of a hip. Or or there as a place, it's got an H in it. And an H is to say, is, is a house. A house has got an H at the beginning of it. A house is a place. So, there with an H has <laughs> got an H in it. What's the other there? Is isn't it aware? Oh, yeah, where. I'm thinking of where. Where has got an H in it as well. <laughs> Anyway, it's not it's not foolproof the system I'm using, but it's, it isn't really it isn't really an excuse to be dyslexic. To it's not it's not an excuse. It's not a disability. It's just something you need to you know. You could be that person who's like laid in the bed and can just wink with one eye. You know, like just get over yourself. You know, you can you can work it out. And you know, if you can't work it out, just tell people you can't. You're not very good at it. You know, and people are generally forgiving. Like if you try if you say you're really good at something and you crap at it, that's kind of that's not forgivable. Like if you say you know someone's having a heart attack, you know, and you stand you stand you know, <laughs> you know you say like stand back, you know, I know what to do, and you you start rubbing their hands together or something, or, or trying to get water out of the lungs. You know, you you know that's not forg- forgivable. So if you are like, oh, I don't know what to do, you do it, um, you know. And then sometimes. The more, the more you're not good at stuff, the better you are at having methods of, of dealing with that and just, you know, living in this, like, space of, like, chaos where you just have to improvise all the time. Like, I don't, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, speaking of heart attacks, you know, there's always, like, the, you know, do it this way, do it that way, like, ha, 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 staying alive. Stay in the lab, you know, doing that, doing that, that kind of rhythm. But then you'll see somebody else, and they'd be like, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know it'll be like some kind of like uh, some song you've never, you've never heard of, like <laughs> Womba <Chumba-wamba> or something. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but you'll see on someone on Instagram, and it's like, why is he telling me to do it this way? Like I thought you had to do it the other way, you know. And then what, what about the breathing? How often are you supposed to breathe in this person's mouth? But, um. You know when you when you actually, I was a climbing at the climbing wall once, and someone had a heart attack, and they basically were dead. They were they were also like climbing, which is lucky they weren't belaying. But anyway, but they were lowered down, and by by the time they got on the ground, they were dead. And you saw all these people who were trained and knew what to do, but they basically probably didn't know what to do, and loads of things just didn't go how you think they would go in that situation. So sometimes like things like they got the they had one of the um defibrillators and they kind of you know ran there with this defibrillator and they stuck it on but the patches didn't work they just fell straight off again they like dried out or something and and you know just doing being able to be calm and just think through you know often often if you're not prepared maybe you're Maybe you're better in that situation. You can be calmer because you have got nothing left. You got nothing to lose. Yeah, you know I mean, in the court of law, you know, you just did your best. You know, you weren't you don't have any qualifications. So, so yeah, so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to. I think that like it's in It's funny that like often you you know your your parents the fact that this parent is concerned enough to contact me to help their daughter. Is probably a good thing and a bad thing. Like sometimes, like when my son, when they when they told me he had ADHD or some bollocks like that, I, uh, you know, the worst thing is 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 to then be diagno- be diagnosed with something and go through the rest of your school days being like, oh, I've got ADHD and ex- excuse every bullshit thing, you know. Like I'm sure they knew all this stuff existed, like in the past when. When no one got any labels, but they just kind of like beat it out of you, <laughs> you know. They just they, there was no kind of, you know, you you were just thick basically, and a lot. It's it's pretty cruel. It's it's probably better to go through life thinking you're thick than thinking you're disabled. If you know what I mean, <laughs> you know. So um, you know, I don't know. Didn't did they have any of these things? Like there someone someone said that I was you know I was I was very dyslexic at school but they didn't diagnose these things because if they did they they had some kind of they'd have to put some money into it or something they'd have to give you some special lessons or something so they just said it was like slow slow at stuff slow at reading and everything else so I think there's probably there's probably something to be to be said for it so yeah maybe you maybe if you if your parent is overly concerned um about your dyslexia maybe that could be a that could be a negative maybe um like i definitely more i definitely spend a lot of time with my son and my daughter because she's supposed to be dyslexic um trying to make them realize that isn't important it isn't important information basically like my daughter can supposed to be Dyslexic. She has to have a special extra time, you know, when she was at school, extra time for exams, and she's supposed to get a free computer and all that kind of bollocks. But she got like a first in maths. See, what I mean, she's like a highly successful person. It had no, it made no difference to her life being dyslexic, um, and uh, I, th- I think my, for my son it probably has. Made hazard an effect how he vis- how visualizes himself I think that's why you don't want to get divorced because you can you know you got one you got one parent inputting loads of shit into your child and you got another parent trying to you know deprogram them from all this kind of stuff but once you divorce you know you don't really have enough you know the programming can stick really so yeah. right i think the baby must be awake by now must be it must be time to take this baby for a walk so i better i better leave it there so so yeah i'll 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 send this i'll send this podcast to to this um lady with her with a dyslexic daughter and i'm sure this isn't very positive this is probably not what you want to hear but i think you just have to you just have to rise above it i think you just got you have to see it as an as an advantage Like even if you're like, even if, even that guy laid in bed who can only wink and has got locked in syndrome, like, you know, he, he has an advantage. Like he's, he sees the world in a very unique way, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's a great bit of uh, wisdom there. Okay. Um, What am I going to talk about next time? Something amazing. I am actually thinking about doing a podcast A separate podcast with no waffle and just talking about um, clothing to tie into this book that I'm eventually going to write. This um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, By a thread, it's called. So I might, I might, I might do that because it might be good to break to to get rid of some of the waffle. I know some of you like the waffle, but it'd be quite good to do something a little bit more focused on one on one thing which is that see that this is a classic dyslexic brain of mine i don't even have time to do this bloody podcast and i'm talking about doing another one as well so that's that's a good example of what i'm talking about so yeah anyway until until next time see you soon